Um, I am Debbie Raisi. For those of you that weren't at Calvary a few years ago, um, I used to be one of the pastors here, uh, and then I did another gig about 20 years before that, maybe. I don't remember how long that's been. Um, so Calvary uh, has a very special place in my heart. And I want to thank you for uh, giving towels and washcloths um, and hand towels to Home Sweet Home. Uh, that is huge for us. Uh, maybe I should back up. I retired from ministry to take care of my mother-in-law who was living with us, who was going to live with us. And um, I took really good care of her for six days until she died. Um, so then I got bored and I went to work at Home Sweet Home. So that's how I got into a second career at the ripe age of 25. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Anyway, I want to thank you for all that you do for Home Sweet Home. It is uh, really incredible. Um, we had a flood a couple years ago, no, a year and a half ago, right? Um, and we had these beautiful homemade quilts, a room full of them, and they all got destroyed. And that is Ah, we never would have been out of blankets, but um, um, we're out of those. And that whole, uh, that whole room also had towels and sheets and stuff. So uh, that's why we need them. So thank you so much. Stewardship. Last week, uh, Pastor Sylvester said that no pastor likes to uh, preach on stewardship, but apparently he hasn't met me because I love to preach about stewardship. It's so much fun. And you guys are all sitting there going, I stewardship Sunday, yay! Right? That's what you're saying. And those of you who are worshiping from a beach are going, it's stewardship Sunday, yay! Let me tell you that stewardship Sunday, stewardship season isn't about uh, making the church budget. That's part of it. I mean, that's how the church knows how much money you're going to give them. Some people say, you know, that's, that's, my, that's only my business. I'm not going to turn in a pledge card because that's only my business. The things you can say when you're not really the pastor at a church. It's awesome. I, I love this freedom. Anyway, um, they say, I'm not going to turn in a pledge card because that's just between me and God. Um, well, really, it's between you and God and anybody else, um, because that shouldn't be something that we're embarrassed about. And the church needs to know that to kind of predict their income. I was just telling these guys a little bit earlier that when I first went to work at Home Sweet Home, um, I, I couldn't get out of the pastor mindset, you know? And so when I would go to, to purchase something, I would say to my boss, who is now the CEO, I would say, so how are we going to pay for this? And he said, you don't have to worry about that. I'm like, what? I, I, what? Well, I don't have what? what? And uh, I said, well, what if I go over budget? And he said, well, if you have to go over budget, and our treasurer is, our, our, our accountant is sitting right here, so I'm be careful how I say that. Um, if I have to go over budget, and it's it's important, it's necessary, um, then go over budget. Well, how are we going to pay for that? Matt kept saying, Debbie, you don't have to raise the money. Your job is to be the director of client services. Cool, cool. Um, but you know, that's kind of hard to get out of your head because it is very important um, that we do as God calls us to do. So I want us to make a commitment with each other this morning, all right? This is a commitment I'd like to make. I promise, I promise to offend you if you're expecting that, okay? I promise to fulfill that fear, all right? Okay, okay. 
And will you promise to give, forgive me if I inadvertently offend you? Not if I do it on purpose, but if I inadvertently offend you, will you forgive me for that? All right. And would you promise to check your reaction to what I say and see if God might be prodding you a little bit? I don't remember if it was Sylvester or Michael that said, you know, if you go to the doctor and he pushes there and it hurts, then maybe there's a reason it hurts. I'm just repeating that. You know, it wasn't mine. I'm just repeating it. I love to introduce new people to the joy of tithing. Jim Brown and I were just talking about what a joy it really is uh, to tithe. And what I would like to do is help people see the joy um, in giving a tithe rather than a tip. Let me tell you what a tip is in my estimation. I had a parishioner once, um, it is really dangerous to be live streamed because I used to be able to talk about all my former churches and nobody would ever hear it, you know? Now I have to be really careful, but I know this person is deceased, so it's okay. So, so this person, this person said to me, Debbie, I always give whatever I happen to have that morning in my wallet. Um, I give what I can afford. Well, she was, was what she had in her wallet that morning. It didn't have anything to do with planning to come to church. And I didn't, I didn't try to explain that to her. Um, but other people will say, I give what I can after my bills are paid. What goes unsaid is after, and I ha after I have what I want. A tip is reactive. When we eat at a restaurant, we don't go there and say, let's see, what am I going to tip? We go there and say, what am I going to eat? And the tip comes when the bill comes, right? And just so you know, it's no longer 10%. And it's no longer just to say, um, you did a good job, so I'm going to give you 12%. Or you did a horrible job, so I'm not going to give you any. Um, it's, it's a way of saying, I know that you brought me my food. I know that you did the very best that you could right now. So... We tip because it's expected, but we tip because we care about our servers, I hope. But a tithe is proactive. It's part of the main course, and we plan it out. Today's scripture is about faithful giving, and it's also, though, an overall message about hypocrisy. Man, I'm giving you a double slam. Hypocrisy and stewardship. Woohoo! Um, I'm not going to tell you you're hypocrites, though, so you can relax. So there were seats. It talks about um, Jesus sitting and, and people sitting and watching the money go into the temple treasury. Why on earth were there seats outside of the temple treasury? Did people have so much money that they needed to put some in, go sit down and rest for a while, go in and put some more in, sit down and rest for a while? That'd be cool, wouldn't it? We'd take that kind of a giving. I think seating is in practical places, right, where you need it. The practicality was that this was the women's court of, of the temple, meaning men and women could go this far, but this is the furthest women could go into the temple. Maybe the seats were for the women to use, but women didn't have a lot of uh, clout in that day, so my guess is that it didn't have such a beautiful purpose. Maybe they were used to watch what people did put into the treasury. Curiosity, Judgment, pride, and giving a lot. Do you remember the old days? The old days when we used to pass an offering plate? Remember those days? There used to be this round plate and we'd pass it. Remember those days? Long, long ago, before COVID. 
people could actually see who was giving. And I've had parishioners through the years say, I know you're watching up there, which I was usually daydreaming up here, um, but, but I know you're watching, and, and I give monthly. So every other week, I'm not giving. I'm like, it's chill. We're okay here. You know, you do what you, do you, you know? Um, but it was hysterical um, when I was actually in the pews somewhere um, that people would roll up their money or fold up their money. The counters, you love that, don't you? When people, like, just fold up their money really tiny. Why do they do that? They do that because they think it's easier for people. Oh, no. They do that because they don't want the people down the road to know what they put in. So they're probably putting in a $100 bill, and they don't want people to know that. Or you laugh. Maybe it's a 20. Maybe it's a 1. Why are we so ashamed? I want us to get to the point where we're not ashamed of what we put in the offering plate. In our scripture, let's back up a little bit. Um, until we get to the, the passage that we read today, Jesus had been talking to the religious leaders about their pride, wanting that the religious leaders wanted the best seats in the synagogue. They were wearing robes in public that showed their faithfulness. They wanted everyone to know. They were expecting, expecting the places of honor at banquets. And just before this passage, Jesus had also pointed out that the religious leaders, the religious leaders, devoured widows' houses. Really? Seriously? What happened was that widows were a very vulnerable population, obviously. They usually had bills, debt, because they didn't have uh, a way to raise money, to make money. And so in order to get that debt paid, um, people would come and just take their houses. And religious leaders were part of that. Can you imagine? As a religious leader myself, and as someone who now works in a homeless shelter, those two don't jive for me at all. So that was a scripture right before today's. And then today we read a passage about the generosity of this woman from this very class of people that the religious leaders exploited about her um, giving all that she had. Who is this widow, and what did she teach us? Well, we know that she gave it all. Maybe that wasn't a wise decision. Maybe she should have kept some back. We don't know that. We don't know what her motivation was. Maybe she thought if she gave it all, she would receive. Maybe she thought they need it more than I. I don't, I don't know. We could go through a bunch of scenarios, but we don't know the answer to that. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't call her by name. You know why? What I think? Because it wasn't her gift that was the focus. It was her humility compared to the arrogance of the religious leaders who were there. Friends, it's that pride, it's that pride that not only causes us to feel like we can't afford to tithe because there's, we just have to keep the things that we have. But it's our pride that says, I have what I have because I've worked hard and I deserve it. Doesn't that imply that others who don't have what they need didn't work hard enough? Talk to me about that after the service when you talk to me about the people experiencing homelessness. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll educate you a little bit on that. Jesus talks about money a lot. You know why? Because it affects our soul. 
how we use our finances can hurt us and hurt others, or it can bring healing. In 1 Timothy 6.10, we read that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is just money. It's just paper. It doesn't mean anything. But it's the love of that money. It's when we put all of our focus on that and how much we can get and how much we can get for ourselves that we get into, into trouble. How do we worship? What do we worship? How we spend our money gives us a hint about what we worship. I know at times, I don't know if I did it at Calvary or not, at times I have asked people to look at their checkbook, but we don't have those anymore, so I'd have to have you look at your online account or something, I don't know, um, and see where your money goes. I'm not here to judge you. I don't know what your money goes to. I know what our money goes to. Um, but are, are all of those necessary? I don't know. And I'll get to that first. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I'm positive that in Jesus' day, I'm absolutely positive that in Jesus' day, many religious leaders were faithful in the use of temple funds. I'm sure they supported those who needed it and were faithful stewards of the funds entrusted to them. I am positive of this. But there were others who weren't so faithful, who saw their own needs above the needs of others, and they took what they thought was theirs. That's where the challenge of tithing often comes in. Now, this is the dangerous part, folks, all right? This is, if you want to be offended, this might be the time, all right? So just be ready. My work at Home Sweet Home Ministries has changed the way I view just about everything. Our case managers help our residents build budgets, not because they're not smart enough to do it on their own. Our residents are often very smart. That's not the point. But they've never been taught how to build a budget. They've never been taught and assured that they can live on the money that they, they earn. They have just been taught you can't do it. And so figure out another way. And so when the, our case managers go into the budgets, these are the kinds of things on the budget sheets. Housing, food and groceries, transportation, utilities, healthcare, and miscellaneous. Now miscellaneous is like phones, cigarettes, and don't judge, I eat, you know, I eat a lot. Um, I just happen not to smoke. Laundry, entertainment, that kind of stuff. Okay, besides all of these things, can you help me? Uh, and this is um, congregational participation time. You at home um, or, or listening online, just throw yours out. I'm sure I'll hear them. Um, so what, what other things are in our budgets that wouldn't be in these at Home Sweet Home? Can you think of something that would be in our budgets that isn't at Home Sweet Home? What? Vacations, that's right. What? Church. Yeah, church. That's right. Um, I have, I, I know people who, this is not a criticism. I want to do this myself. I'm just too lazy. Um, hair, nails, um, what was that other thing I put down here? Um, um, pedicures. pedicures, that's right, that's right. Um, massages, you know. Not bad. Storage buildings to put our extra stuff, Randy Razy. Um, <laughs> it's okay, it's wood to make things for Jesus. <laughs> Let's stop there. You get my point, right? I think I should have stopped a few minutes ago, but anyway. 
When I was in seminary, I began to tithe. Now this, I am telling you my story, not to say, look at how good I am. I'm telling you to say, if I can do it, anybody can do it, all right? And when I was in seminary, I began to tithe, not because I had a lot of money, because I was eating ramen noodles and hamburger helper. And so a tithe wasn't a whole lot, actually. Um, but I, you know, I, I remember going to a parishioner's house and they had pork chops. I'm like, oh, how can they afford pork chops? Um, but they weren't in seminary. Fast forward a couple years, I'm still tithing. I'm just eating much better, you know? Tithing then, when I was a poor seminary student, tithing now, when I'm a wealthy person um, working in in a homeless shelter, you know? This is my point, and if you've heard me preach before, you've heard this before. Tithing isn't a financial decision. You don't get your, your books out and go, okay, here's this as we spend and this, as we spend, and this is how much we can afford. For time. It's not a financial decision. It's a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. It's something that you say first, you know what, I'm going to tithe. And then you work out your budget. That's what tithing is. So please don't ever think of it as a financial decision or as something the church is begging for. Your tithe happens to build the church and the kingdom of God through it, but it is not for the church's budget. Yes, and you know how it's all mixed up. It is a spiritual decision. I would love to serve a church sometime. It'll be in heaven, I guess. I guess I will be serving churches in heaven. Anyway, where everyone tithes, not because they have to, but because they are that point in their spiritual lives. I didn't start tithing because I could afford it. I was eating ramen noodles, remember? I was in debt and adding to that debt every day by going to seminary. But I also wasn't financially irresponsible. I gave my tithe at the first of the month. Um, then I knew that I had what I had to live on for the rest of the month, you know? I think there was one time in all of my life that I had to wait to give my tithe until the middle of the month because I was juggling bills. And you know that I'm wealthy. I just told you that because I spent most of my life as a pastor and now I work in a homeless shelter. You know that I'm rolling in the bucks. And you know what? It's only been, this this is my true confession. It's only been in the last couple of years in watching Beachfront Bargain Hunt that I've thought, I wonder if I had never tithed whether I could also afford one of those beach houses. Because I certainly can't afford it now. But I don't really want it, so, you know, I don't care. It's not that I ever questioned, I've never questioned my uh, decision to tithe. Because it's a joy. Um, Maybe I don't have tons left at the end of the month, but I have enough. That's what Adam Hamilton talks about in his study. Enough. That is contentment. I am rich, my friends. And I have the privilege of participating in the kingdom of God with my tithe. I've always loved this passage in Leviticus 23, 22. When you reap the harvest of your land, don't reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. Don't take it all, friends. You can harvest. Just leave a little for someone else. This week on the way to church and last week on the way to church, we saw all these geese in the corn stubble on Northtown. There are a lot of geese. They're really fat. 
Today, there weren't as many. I think they're in a turkey hangover um, or a corn hangover. I'm not sure. But these geese had enough. The farmer didn't intentionally leave that for them, but there was left over enough for them. The farmers in the Old Testament were actually told to leave a part of their fields for the poor. Just leave a, a few leftovers for someone else. In fact, the concept of tithing began in an agricultural environment where farmers were expected to give their first fruits, not what was left over, the best of the crop, and to give the best of the, or of the, of the livestock. Now, that's a risk because if you give that, best, that first lamb or that first calf, you don't know if there's going to be another one. You know, that, that you or that cow might die and you don't have another one. So that is faithful giving. A woman came to me and said, I just gave my friend the $20 I had in my wallet because she really needed it. My initial reaction, you did what? Now, I didn't say that, but she was a resident. She didn't have $20 to give. That could have been irresponsible. Fortunately, I didn't say that. I wanted to tell her to take care of herself first and save that for housing, but I didn't do that because we all want to give and we all have something to give. Even someone experiencing homelessness and living in a homeless shelter has something to offer. That woman's $20 was a huge gift to her friend when you consider how much income she has. That's why God talks about a percentage rather than a dollar amount. The widow gave all that she had too. When you start small and build up, you know, you don't really miss it. I don't look at my tithe and add it up and say, I could use that money on. I still, it just doesn't happen. But the people who are recipients of this tithe, the people I serve every day, for them, your tithe is life-saving. And I want to say thank you. I want you all to know how grateful our people are for what you help us provide at Home Sweet Home. I say you because part of the money you give every Sunday um, is part of your budget goes to Home Sweet Home. You're providing meals, a bed, safety, case management, and so much more. You're providing hope. We had a woman living out in front of our building for several weeks. She wasn't able to come to the shelter and we've been full anyway. But she represented to all of us those people out there who we can't help and our hearts were broken. We shed a lot of tears over that. Our residents tried to help her. Our residents asked us as staff what they could do. They didn't come to us and say, would you fix this? What can we do to help? Almost every day we went out to check on her to make sure that she was okay, but we couldn't fix it. Actually, we can't even fix what is in our shelter. We can just do what we can every single day. So thank you for tithing. Thank you because it means a lot that you know the joy that comes from knowing that you're a part of a solution. Thank you because it's not just the people I serve at Home Sweet Home, but the people that Lori Boltemeyer serves at the Baby Fold. It's the people suffering from hurricanes in Florida. It's the people at Fev and Haiti. It's the people through the United Methodist Committee on Relief that you're touching the lives of people in all kinds of crisis times but you're also providing all of this, the ability to worship together, to have heat and air conditioning. I know it's not exciting to fund. I'd like to pay for the heat. Nobody says that until you don't have it. So thank you for being faithful to God.
Are you ready to commit to the spiritual discipline of tithing? Did I insult you? I didn't mean to insult you. Did I hurt you just a little bit? I didn't mean to do that either. Did God? Can't speak for God. Are you ready to commit to the spiritual discipline of tithing? If so, be ready to be shocked about what God does with it. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you so much. So much for each one of these people and for those who are worshiping via live stream. Thank you that you give us the ability to be involved in your kingdom in so many ways. Thank you for the ministry of Calvary United Methodist Church. And I pray, God, that you will continue to pour out your blessings through this church to the community, to our region, to our world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand as you are able and sing together our final hymn?